Hey y'all, welcome to Big Facts No Cap, the only show that's number one with fans of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and all the good COVID boys who stand six feet behind. It's Paul and Adrian recording in person, face to face. Let's get into it. Ass to ass. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. I think if we did an episode back to back, we should do it back to back. <laughs> like we should start recording right after this episode, so it's back to back. Oh, and the theme's back to back, and then obviously we end with the song back to back. Could you imagine if we missed that one? <laughs> if we did it, Edwin Drake's back to back is only good song. Oh man, oh man. <laughs> another one, another one. Even had time to respond to the other one. Mm. Going back to back. Was that against Pusha T? No, 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 no. That was against um Meek Mill. God, I feel like you lost all of those. No, Meek Mill definitely lost that one. That was did like it? the famous example of like losing a rap battle. Yeah. No, that's Ja Rule and uh fifty cent. Or Eminem and Nick Cannon. Okay, fair enough. If we're counting old-timers, if we're counting 100-year-old skeletons who are in rap battles, Adrian's like, actually, the most famous example of losing a rap battle is Beowulf against the <laughs> dragon. That's true. They had a lyrical, uh, lyrical miracle battle. <laughs> I've been on the low. I've been taking my time. <laughs> actually, the first rapper was Shakespeare, when you think about it, and Macbeth was the first person to lose a rap battle. If you think about it. If you think about it. Whose side were you on for Pusha T and Drake being such a big uh, fan of both of them? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was, I just wanted everybody to have a good time. I'm like a uh, youth soccer league, a rec soccer league coach. How did you feel about uh, Joyner Lucas's uh, feud with uh, Tory Lanez? Mm-mm, I was really tapped into that one. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, I, I think they both had good points. I think they both had good bars. Obviously, Joyner Lucas was, you know, talking about, mm-hmm. he was, you know, he, he was out there. He was like, why can't we just all get along, black, white, who cares? And Tory Lanez was out there going, wow, <laughs> I love the thing. How'd you feel about the rap beef between Funk Volume and uh, the Horseshoe Gang? <laughs> Are those made up names? Is that rap I, uh, Phil showed this to me the other day. It's Funk Volume is uh, Hobson, Dizzy Wright, and Jared Benton, uh, Hobson's label. Okay. And they put out like a uh, $500,000 challenge or whatever that was like, you know, any any rap group that wants to beef with us will put out a diss song and we'll like decide whose diss song is better. And Crooked Eyes Cousin has a group called Horseshoe Gang and they did it and got uh, pretty, pretty handily beaten by, beaten by the Hobson gang. Dizzy Wright is so much better than Hobson. Why does he ride with him? It's interesting, too, because he's such a chill, like, smoky, like, I just want everybody to get along. But, like, he, he kind of got really, really aggressive in that, like, <laughs> diss song. Still, Dizzy Wright's not that good. Should we, uh, should we release diss songs against each other? Yeah, yeah. All right, Adrian, how's your week been? How's stuff been? How's my week been? Um, it's been okay. I spent a lot of time at home, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You, you're a real homebody. Well, not usually, but, you know, things are getting scary with the whole new variants. So. And, and, and the fact that you're shaped like a trailer. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're real homebody because you're shaped like a Tudor house. <laughs> um, so, no, I, actually, we'll talk about it during Media Roundup, but I've mostly just been hanging at home, hanging out with my parents, watching movies with them. Gotcha. Doing not much. You said you uh, showed your parents one of my favorite movies, Dogtooth. Uh, yeah, I showed my parents. I, I specifically called you 
Because I wanted to ask before I showed them the movie if it was something that we could watch together or whether or not it would be weird. I would have said no. <laughs> that would have been my record. I'm glad you didn't because I'm glad I watched the movie. Um, and uh, I don't know. We're not a family. We're like watching sex scenes in the same room is that weird. So despite the fact there were a lot of very awkward sex scenes in that movie, uh, we had a great time. Uh, Your my... mom was like, you and Dora Lee ever do that? <laughs> <laughs> there is, yeah, a trigger warning. There's incest in the movie if you're going to watch it. Um so my dad's review of the movie was that it was really weird, but it was good. My mom's review of the movie was, I don't like that the ending was ambiguous. The director works for me. He shouldn't make me have to think and figure things out. That's true. Which is a, it's a pretty cool opinion. I do like that. Um, I don't know how she felt about the rest of the movie because she wasn't paying attention a lot during the beginning. But in general, yeah, really good movie. Yeah, definitely one of my favorites, too. I don't know if I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, yeah, you Justin have to- shouldn't watch it, but <laughs> other people should. My media roundup, the only thing from the last week is I watched Licorice Pizza Yeah, in, uh, in theaters. It's uh, the new Paul Thomas Anderson. I was excited for this one because it was another 70s, uh, 70s period piece, and Boogie Nights is one of his best movies. So I was like, I, I really want to see him do that again. Is it still a thing, or are we past the point where people like congratulate a movie for like hiring actors who look like regular people? Well, I mean, because that was my takeaway from the trailer was like, these are some very normal ass looking well, people. <laughs> I mean, the girl is in the band Hyam. She's one of the Hyam sisters. Uh, is she really? Yeah. She looks like she's like 12. Hasn't well, Hyam been around for a while? Yeah, she's what, what in the movie she's playing a 25 or 28 year old. I thought they were high schoolers based on the He trailer. is. The whole point of the movie is she's a 28 year old who Ooh. becomes infatuated with a 15. Well, she doesn't become infatuated. He becomes infatuated with her and, and, is, and is chasing her the whole time. And she's, like, blowing him off because he's 15. And do they end up together? You'll have to watch the movie. That's spoilies right I mean, there. That's kind of gross if they do. I'm not going to lie. Cancel that I mean, film if they do. That's one of the main complaints of the movie is it's a love story between a 15-year-old and a 28-year-old. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he had to have learned from the... Uh, didn't uh, Call Me By Your Name get the same kind of... Uh, and they were way closer in age, right? It was like Sorta, 17, yeah. 23, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This one is a wider gap. Uh, I think he's playing with the idea of, like, being offensive. Um, you know, if re- reverse the roles. If it was a woman chasing a mate, wait, I don't know. Would that make it worse? I can't remember how people do this argument. Yeah, this is a reversed role. She is mm-hmm. an older woman with mm-hmm. a man, so I guess it is the one where you're supposed to be like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it did do a flip on the thing that even though he's like a pimply-faced 15-year-old, he is like, I mean, it's like a fake confidence, but he's super it's suave. He's like a cool, jazzy dude. Yeah, like. I would recommend watching it. It's a really good movie. It was mm. super entertaining. It also not only got canceled for that, it got canceled because it had racism in the movie, but it mm. was apparently it, nobody in the movie said, hey, that's bad. You're being racist. It was mm. just portraying racism without making a statement about it. Gotcha. Owner of the Japanese restaurant does a silly Japanese voice with his wife. Mm. Uh, and by canceled, you mean it's still playing everywhere and it's totally fine and it's going to make much money. I guess. I, I don't know if it's going to make a ton of money. It's not like a blockbuster, but I think the main thing is whether or not the bad press, although it did get pretty good critic reviews, so clearly the yeah. Twitter canceling didn't uh, ruin it, but that yeah. stuff, I guess, can hurt your chances with uh with award season. Yeah. Cool. I watched Pig on the recommendation of one Philip Carter. All right. We all see mirrors, Adrian. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> this is the type of good comedy you guys come for. <laughs> From the concept, I thought it was going to be John Wick with a pig, but it's just Nicholas Tra- Cage, his uh, award, not award winning, his uh, beloved truffle hunting pig gets stolen and he tries to get it back. Ah, so it's like taken with a, with a pig instead of a daughter. 
It's a surprisingly weird movie, and uh, to be honest, I don't know if I totally recommend it, but I did see it, and it was interesting. It was certainly worth a watch, I guess. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, I watched uh, Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself, which is a very emotional uh, one-man show, kind of masquerading as also a a magic show that gets, in my opinion, a little bit emotionally manipulative, but otherwise it was pretty good. Cool. Yeah, that's it for me. A one-man show that gets emotionally manipulative instead of being funny? That's true. Who's ever heard of that concept? I mean, I don't want to make the comparison, but if you can stand Mike Birbiglia, you can stand this, but... Th- that's good, because Mike Birbiglia is the one person who does the one-man show thing that I don't completely get annoyed with. Yeah. But it's still the same thing of, like, the kind of mannerisms and the kind of yeah. taking a break at the right time. I mean, it's like slam poetry. The one-man show to me is like mm-hmm. slam poetry. It's like there's too many cliches. Like, mm-hmm. there's too many things you're supposed to do. The rhythm's a little too predictable. The rhythm's a little too predictable. Uh, how was your week? I didn't even ask you how your week was, Paul. So rude. Pretty good. Pretty good. Did you stock up on Indian food recently? Yeah. yeah. I-, I took a peek in that freezer. of samosas, pakoras, fucking... Chicken tikka masala? You fucking load it up, right? You know, enjoy yourself, Adrian. You here for the night? If something goes missing, I won't notice. I'll turn a blind eye. Boss won't know. I won't let the boss know. All right, my man. We keep our bookkeeping pretty loose around this house. I thought you were about to do an Indian accent. I don't know. The way you said book, I was like, are you about to... <laughs> well, that's just you, racist. I don't think... I don't think that's me. A jalebe, <laughs> I just want to see it. Did you buy jalebis? No. Ugh. I don't really like jalebis that much. I don't either. Yeah. They're not gushers. They're not gushers. They're not, no matter what people tell you, they try to gaslight you <laughs> into thinking they're not gushers. They're supposed to gush open in your mouth. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We know uh-huh. they ain't gushers. Uh-huh. Um, we did media roundup. Talked about our week. All right. Um, well, you want to get into the topic then? We are five hours in. I'm trying to think if there's any other stories from my week like that. That like I think feel like in the old days we used to just talk more bullshit off top. I think people like the columns more. That's true. So the theme for today, memory. Whoa. Memories. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot. That's a kind of A plus comedy. Y'all come to big facts, no cap for. Oh boy, Paul, <laughs> are you just in an anti humor mood? <laughs> are you start telling anti jokes? No. You go start telling dead baby jokes. I think that was either the period right before or right after yeah, anti-jokes yeah. were hot. I like that that was the uh, horizons our brains could find for offensive stuff at that age. Yeah. That dead babies was just its own genre. It it, it had a moment. It did. It did. For sure. I think me and you were discussing this the other day, like how the candle that burns the brightest burns for the shortest time. Mm-hmm. But like blonde jokes, right? Like that felt like such oh, a yeah. thing when we were kids. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anybody say anything about like blonde jokes in ten years. Yeah. So did they win that fight, or how did they? How, what, what happened? You think the blondes took a stand? Oh, I think they felt oppressed, and they were better at organizing than other <laughs> marginalized <laughs> communities, and they made something happen. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, were yeah. in the streets. I mean, I, I remember back, right next to my, like, ban the R-word sticker, I would wear a ban blonde joke sticker. <laughs> <laughs> equally offensive. I didn't think, I'd have a sticker in the middle that said these are equally offensive. So are, can other marginalized communities learn something from blondes instead of, you know, going out and rioting? <laughs> I know, destroying property. property. Instead, they can just uh, ignore it until it goes away. Ban bossy. Ban bossy. They got to get um, Jane Lynch or Ellen DeGeneres. Who was in the commercial? Wait, I thought Bossy was uh, I thought Bossy was offensive because it was used only for young women, not blondes. Yeah, but I feel like it's a similar energy. <laughs> you think people were calling blondes Bossy too much? No, I think they were calling them uh, ditzy, uh, bimbo, toots, 
All those things. Broad. 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 That's probably why Hooters isn't a thing anymore. Hooters is definitely a thing now. It's Hooties. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if this is a national thing or just the local one, but when you go on Uber Eats now, it's not called Hooters, even though it's clearly, like, all the stuff. Because I would always look at Hooters on Uber Eats and go, who's getting hooters from uber i Eat. mean that's a great joke from 30 rock right there is that really yeah oh, they're yeah, asking yeah, what yeah, to get yeah. for lunch yeah i think we've talked about this before <laughs> we'll know oh yeah yeah it's what's his name he goes we'll know they touched it yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah but now it's very clearly still so obviously the management of hooters had the exact same idea they were like nobody orders hooters mm-hmm. to go but like everybody's getting to go orders now during mm-hmm. covid so now it's hooties hooties <laughs> hooties on uber I'm surprised hootie and the blowfish hasn't gone after them Maybe this is how we used to talk about bullshit off top. Were we supposed to talk about memory? <laughs> memory. Memory. What's your earliest memory? Uh, I'm one of those people that has such a bad memory for their childhood, to be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, I think my earliest memory, something from my old house for sure, when I used to live in the trailer. Um, maybe swinging on, on the swing set that I had. And I think I, I probably hurt myself. I think probably my main, my first memory is some kind of injury or something as a kid. Mm. Ain't that always how it goes? The the darker side of things sticks with us. I'll tell you what. What's your, wait, what's your earliest memory? I think airports. I really, yeah. Those are such a like stark difference and a stark amount of like emotion and intensity as a child. Mm. There's like vague things about like different things of like being in my f- being in one of my old houses where I sort of remember the layout and I sort of remember mm-hmm. playing a Game Boy in there. It's like very uh, vignette based. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very fuzzy. Yeah. And some of it's whether or not I can remember it or it's just that there's a picture of it and I'm like, ah, yeah, I kind of remember that. I, I know for a fact that some of the things I remember, I've never seen a picture or video of. So I probably mm-hmm. am remembering it wrong, but like mm-hmm. I do have like some sort of vague layout in my mind of like old houses and stuff. Yeah. Or old apartments we lived in. Yeah, I think one of my, well, it's definitely have memories from before this, but uh, when we lived in the trailer, Dorley and I shared a room, and I think I've told the story before about how in kindergarten, she was the one that taught me how to tie my shoes, and before bed, she would make me tie all of her shoes, and I would just tie them, throw them off the bed, tie it, throw it off the bed to get really good at tying my shoes. Damn, nice. Mm-hmm. I remember winning, uh, in France, there was a holiday where you'd eat a cupcake, and there'd be like a little soldier action not action figure that seems like something we'd ban in the u.s because our kids are too dumb <laughs> and i think i won like i was eating the cupcake that had the soldier baked into oh, it oh the good soldier yeah mm, that's cool yeah i the one with the whatever it was when i remember winning how do you feel like how, how generally how do you feel your memory is i think i have a bad memory but i think i have a good memory for the things that i remember uh-huh. as in when i have a conflicting memory with someone mm-hmm. and the few times where there's been like paper evidence mm-hmm. I feel like it comes out on my side more mm. often than... In fact, I really can't think of a scenario where there was, like, some sort of memory issue about, like, a real thing that happened where we eventually found, like, historical evidence mm. and it didn't come out on my side. Archaeologists came out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I have a bad memory overall in that, like, I often say I can't remember something or, like, I just don't know. Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know if this is memory, but... Actually, it's explicitly not memory. But one of the things that my friend Ben used to do in sixth grade that I really hated was... um. The way that he made stories funny is that if he was telling a story about something that happened to us or whatever, 
he would specifically kind of just change things, kind of like punch up the story. Yeah. And it always so annoyed me that I was like, that's not how that happened. Like, and it wasn't a memory thing. He did it specifically because he needed like funnier material for the story or whatever. <laughs> Why was he, you know, you don't have to tell stories about everything. I was about to say, I was like, yeah, he didn't need, like, even like if it was like a thing where like the punchline's funny, he needed to like change stuff in the middle of it. And I was always like annoyed by that. What, what would I just like the example like the punchline is funny, but he adds a clown character in the middle. <laughs> I just remember it as a general phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely met people like that where when you hear them retell a story that you were in, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You know what it was? Is he was always, he would always add in me uh, pooping my pants and crying <laughs> at some point during the story. Then Adrian said his catchphrase, "I'm a poopy butthole," <laughs> and he ran out of the room. I always think it's funny that people who study psychology, I guess it is a thing, maybe. Maybe it's more of a thing, and I'm just, like, a generally skeptical person. But they'll always be do that thing where it's like, you know, everyone thinks their memory is like a video recorder. And it's like, I don't ever think I thought that. <laughs> and they're like, it was studies by Elizabeth, I can't remember what her last name is, that show that, like, eyewitness testimonies are notoriously, all, like, wrong a lot of the time. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what I would have assumed. <laughs> yeah, that is, I, I agree with you. The idea that we were all were walking around thinking that yeah. our memory was perfect. It's like the hubris of man. <laughs> But I guess that does get into, like, the legalities of it, of, like, eyewitness testimony being used for, uh... That is, I will say, there is something frustrating about being somebody who's, like, a generally self-questioning person. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes I'll hear somebody say something that plays in their favor, and I'll go, I don't really remember what happened, but I feel like you're more confident incorrectly than because you actually remember what happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that tracks or makes sense, but I feel like I do often have a sense that, like, as somebody with a bad memory, mm -hmm. I'm just being more honest about the fact that I don't remember something, and I feel like other people, I just want to be like... Eh, maybe just <laughs> hold back on being so sure about what you're saying. And they're like, nope, I definitely dunked on that <laughs> nine-foot rim. <laughs> what was I going to say? History is written by the confident. At least in her personal history. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever, do you have, so speaking of like this tendency to just like let go whatever someone's interpretation is if they seem more confident, do you have anything like that where there's like a memory where you f argue about it still to this day? Well, there is the time that we uh, went on the trip to the Galapagos with my neighbors. And like one of the uh, big memories was uh, Dorley, who has a big thing about not liking fish, definitely ate fish while she was there. They told her it was chicken. She liked it. And every time we brought it up, she was like, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Like, I definitely hated it <laughs> visibly. <laughs> or she would deny that she ate it at all. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, she would do that. We'd be like, we, we, everyone, it's just like a one, like five versus one situation of different ages. And uh, yeah. Um, and then there was definitely, a, I, I think I made fun of the professor for doing this in a previous episode. But I tried to implant a false memory of one of my neighbors uh, getting attacked by a seal and getting a concussion and forgetting about it. And I kind of got everyone else on board with it, too, <laughs> to try and make it a memory. Well, that's just sad because if part of it is that they got a concussion. You probably set them down like a spiral where they're like... <laughs> they're like, is anything real? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they listen to the spot, you've just blown your spot. Oh, I've said worse things about that person. <laughs> also, I'm not still, still trying to get that thing. I'm still not, I'm not, I'm not trying to still do that trick. Oh, you know the Mandela effect? Ooh. I'm the one who does all those. Oh. <laughs> Hit us up, Netflix. If you liked Inside Job, how about this? It's uh, Mandela Effects Real. There's a company that does all of them. And yeah. it's run by Paul. It's run by me. I've, I, you know how much time it took to reprint all those Bernstein Bear books? Bernstein Bears? <laughs> Bernstein Bears? Bernstein Bears books just to annoy a couple people online and make them think that the universe is split? Well, those people don't have bad memories. It's me. Mm. Spooky. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to kill Mandela twice? 
<laughs> Man, what an exclusive we just got on this pod. Yep. I'm joking. I'm joking. He died the first time in the early 2000s, really. I just hired the I just hired the fake to play him. Mm. And I hired all the people to erase all the video footage of his first funeral and mm-hmm. everything, you know, to create the Mandela effect. Six-year-old Don't Paul ask was how the sausage gets made. <laughs> Taking all the dashes out of the Kit Kat logo. Taking a Curious George's tail off. We had teams working day and night on those. Mm. And what do we get for it? A couple cranks online. That's that's what makes the job worth it. You don't get paid for this, folks. <laughs> you don't. You don't. This is a non-profit. I had to start a 501c3 <laughs> to get all of this done. <laughs> How are you in terms of like forgetfulness for like everyday tasks or like relationships or stuff? Oh, very. Oh, very forgetful? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, it's a really common trope that hasn't happened to me in a really long time, and I don't know why it happened so much earlier in my life, is the whole, um, do you ever walk into a room and forget why you went in there? Oh, yeah. That hasn't happened to me in a long-ass time, but I remember that used to resonate with me very hard. Yeah, it definitely happened to me more as a child. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, it's, uh, The other one that resonated with me as a child that was sort of similar, which is, have you ever lost something and then you realize you're holding it? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I haven't lost something and realized I'm holding it in what feels like at least a decade. Mm-hmm. But I, as a child, I think I had that happen a couple times where I'd be like, where is that pencil I was just using? Mm-hmm. Or you're like, where was that dick I was holding? Paul's <laughs> <laughs> so disappointed. Cool, you want to jump into columns? One quick question, one quick question. Uh, did you ever, have you ever read any memoirs? Do you have a favorite memoir? Yes. Don't say Diary of Anne Frank. That's everyone's favorite. Have <laughs> <laughs> I ever told you about the time that my teacher complained about the Diary of Anne Frank? For the prose weren't that good? Yeah, she was like, what, did the fucking kid write it? Was it your mom? <laughs> and she was like, I don't well, like what's the with the ambiguous ending? <laughs> ending? <laughs> um, dude, I think that's another one. I feel like Anne Frank, Frang- Anne Frank jokes are also like their own little category of things that kids had to be edgy. Mm. Who was the uh, blind, deaf? Helen and- Keller. Helen Keller jokes were also their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, set of jokes blind deaf and socialist blind deaf and uh mute right or she's not mute no she was she talks the whole the yeah. water scene is the whole big thing well she doesn't talk in the water scene yeah she says water how would she say water because she says water how would she say water from having the letters written into her palm doesn't she say water I don't think she says water. I think it's a Mandela effect. I don't think you remember. How would the W be written into her palm while her hand is running through water? Teach her how to say water. Because the whole point is the teacher being like, it's water, Helen, water. She can't hear. She's deaf. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How did that scene go? (laughs) What are you talking about scene? That's a thing from her life. It's like in a movie, famously. Sure. More than in a real life. It's not like, what, were you there? Like, what are you talking about? It Like, that's how I know about it. Uh, well, I've read it counts. Mm. Okay. Anyways, what was I saying before you so rudely interrupted what me? What were you saying before you were being wrong and I was being right? Oh, history will tell. So you think she just felt a W, which is three points going downwards, and she was like, that's a wah sound. I could tell. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I mean, add this to your list. Add this to your list of W's if you end up being right about this. But... I'm definitely right about this. <laughs> we'll see. Um. Oh, anyways, the story I was going to tell before that rabbit hole was just that uh, my teacher, who was an English teacher, had like a lower 
student class, like a freshman class that she was teaching, where their summer assignment was to read just any biography Mm -hmm. and she was like i was really happy with the choices that they had this time usually it's just a bunch of diary of Anne franks but (laughs) she chose like much better books this time tesla i remember that was one example that she gave me that was like actual interesting people i don't think she said actual interesting people maybe i'm making her sound worse than she was but unlike Anne frank who's like yada 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 this this broad can talk i tell you what (laughs) (laughs) well there goes our chance to perform at the museum of Anne frank uh, anyways, anything else you wanted to say? Oh, wait, yeah, favorite memoir, favorite audio bio, audio, favorite autobiography, biography, I don't think memoir. I'm a big biography reader. Yeah, no, I don't have one. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not one of those corny folks that reads, like, Michelle Obama's biography or anything like that. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a single biography on my bookshelf, and I don't think, I don't think there is. My favorite biography? The Bible. Oof. Good book. Mm-hmm. It's about Jesus? Jesus. He's only in half the book. I mean, I think he's with us everywhere. So, But he's not in the first half of the book. <laughs> I think he's there, too, if you look close. Mm. There's only one set of footprints in that beach. There's only one set of footprints next to that baby that was cut in half by Solomon. Mm, that's true. That's one true. set of footprints from that bear who was attacking the kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the bald man. I think it's very telling that I only know the most memeable passages of the Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember the cool stories. Mm. You were like, Archangel Michael, he's my favorite. I don't remember him. Mm. Story of Esther. I like the women-led stories in the Bible. <laughs> More women-led stories <laughs> in the Bible. Um, And there's one that I remember, but only the uh, VeggieTales version of it, which I don't know what the analogy was, but they were in a chocolate factory. You think people have done the same thing with the Bible as people did with Hermione, where they're like, technically, it never mentions her skin color, so she she's black, and then like... Famously, there's a lot of people who talk about Jesus being black. That's true. (laughs) That is a one for one. (laughs) Never mind. So I'm not asking you the question. Watch the boondocks. (laughs) Isn't it it pretty cool that people do the same thing with the Bible? I've always called Hermione a uh, modern day Jesus. I I remember that passage where they first introduced Jesus and it's like he comes strutting in with just a little bit of jazz in his step that you Mm. can't describe. Do you remember when we were watching a soccer game together in that little alley and I talked about how the guy who takes our penalty kicks on our team has a really suave way of taking penalty kicks? <laughs> and, he, and he's a man from Cote d'Ivoire. And so Paul was like, whoa, you can't describe him as suave. And I was like, it's a suave way to take penalty kicks. He's very casual. I don't know why you would admit really this hate crime that. on the podcast. It was not, first of all, it's a compliment. Cool. Are right, you ready to get into articles? Yeah, for sure. All right. Okay, so today I'm bringing in an oldie, but a classic, one we haven't done in a while, but somebody who was in early in our podcasting careers, our friend Ola Papi. Ola Papi. So this question is, Ola Papi, I'm haunted by past versions of myself. Like many of us, the last few years of my life has been littered with unwise decisions, Mm. ill-conceived words, and embarrassing moments. Mm. I can't stop thinking about them, especially when trying to sleep. People say you should be compassionate towards the person you used to be, but all I feel is profound revulsion and shame. Sometimes I wish I could erase everyone's memory of me from before the past 17 seconds. I do have positive memories of the past, but they inevitably bring up painful associations of the way I acted when I was too lonely, angry, naive, or desperate to understand what I was doing. I'll remember a fun party, but also the ill-conceived hookup that followed. I'll remember an apartment I enjoyed living in, And then the friend who hung out there that I had a painful falling out with. Mm. 
I judge my past selves for everything from their wardrobe to their poor emotional regulation. Some nights, I stay up late staring at the ceiling, consumed by fear that I'll never be able to escape these ghosts of who I used to be. I try to live my life in a way my future self won't feel ashamed of, but how can I be cognizant of the mistakes I'm already making? Poppy, how can I make peace with these former versions of me and stop hating them so much? Love plagued by my past. Damn. That really hits home. Mm-hmm. For you. I've, yeah. I've never embarrassed myself. That makes sense. Yeah. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Paul's got nothing but W's in his record. Yeah. This is uh, one of those big... Was this one too real? Your face has given me this one was too real. <laughs> yeah. No. I was thinking about uh, the big internet thing of like, uh, just like uh, thinking of past memories and cringing before go to bed, going to bed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes this podcast is hard to listen to because I hate everything I've ever said on it. Damn. I like listening to the podcast. I have a fun time. <laughs> I do too, sometimes. But sometimes I hear something and I'm like, I've already changed my opinion on that 180. Mm. Uh, no, I'm a bit of an ideologue, so. Uh, how do you deal with it? Drink to forget, baby. Mm, that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about self-medicating, sir? Or have you thought about going to a hypnotherapist? Ooh. And they would hypnotize you into being okay with it? Or yeah, you just forget the memories or whatever, right? Oh, okay. I thought it would be like, a, you shouldn't be embarrassed by yourself. It's okay to love yourself type thing. Yeah. It oh. seems like they've already gotten what the standard advice is, right? Which is like, learn to be compassionate to yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you got to think about, you got to get go to the heavy duty. You see, I think learn to hate other people so much more than yourself that it really drowns out the self-hate. That's been my strategy. That's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People say don't compare yourself to others, but if you're doing it in a negative way of like, yeah, I did this, but that dude fucking did that. It's a good way to contextualize everything. Yeah, I I think drunk ones are the ones that get me the most. When I think of things I've done while drunk, I get really embarrassed. For sure. Actually, I can't even really think of like stuff in high school that, well, before we drank that like stuff in high school that would embarrass me all that much. Yeah. Like saying something like a joke that people didn't laugh at. Like, I mean, yeah, it's not like, you know, Phil pooping himself at CC's. I don't really have any like big ones like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I think also, most of mine are drinking related. Yeah. From what I remember, you poop yourself too at CC's? <laughs> Everyone except for Phil pooped themselves at CC's. <laughs> and he was like, damn, I'm glad I avoided the uh <laughs> avoided that one pizza. Yeah, even like bombing on stage or things like that, like You bombed on stage? Yeah. And I'm there up on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know Paul would do well. That would kill in South Carolina. It honestly would. The bomb would. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you don't even have, you don't have anything like you never called your teacher mom or anything like that oh i cried once in seventh mm. grade when i got seventh grade damn. yeah i got back a 72 on a french test oof yeah the expectations we put on ourselves i know i pooped myself in kindergarten once really i've told that story before it was a uh, kindergarten and since we were kindergartners we couldn't lock the door we just had a step, red stop and a green go sign mm-hmm. and i didn't like that level of privacy so one you time have I really told to that poop, i yeah. just pooped myself and i have cried before in school in fourth grade we took like our end of the year standardized test and they told you like what you're if you're making standard progress what your score is supposed to be based on what you got last time and i didn't reach that score and i started crying because i thought i was like a failure yeah seventh grade is much later so i think that was a more embarrassing cry but I also, yeah, I don't cringe too much thinking about that. I think it's too long away and it's too little connected to my current perception of myself to really care. Yeah, I think it's mostly just the drunken ones. Because even like soberly as an adult, do you have anything where you're like, oof, that didn't really work? Yeah, this person needs to learn to be as big of egomaniacs as us that apparently only drinking can embarrass us. Apparently, yeah. Drink to forget, but don't drink too much that you forget and do something stupid. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, change your personality so that you kind of disconnect yourself from your old self. If you've become basically a new person, like new mm. set of like hobbies, a new like way of going about the world. Yeah, I don't feel embarrassed of anything that happened too long ago because I don't really feel like that's the same me. I mean, there's always the possibility of starting over, right? Like, you know, I, I don't know if you have a wife or a child or anything like that, but you can but you just can kill leave them. and. Oh. <laughs> you can always just leave and start fresh somewhere else. Be a new guy. Change your go. Start going by your middle name. Start wearing hats. Just be a whole different person. Yeah. Get a fresh slate. Part of the question was specifically that they like... Idea. Mm -hmm. Has he thought of telling people that he has a twin brother? Ooh, and he's a real jackass. Do you think, I mean, in all seriousness, maybe anxiety meds, like something like this shouldn't be weighing on you so heavily that it feels like it can't function? Yeah, that is true. That's like, the whole thing we've talked before about whether or not it's debilitating. Because like, I definitely get this. And it also comes in like pretty strong waves sometimes. Just middle of the day, if I'm not doing anything, I'll be like damn, I just had this memory of when I did something, like, really annoying, yeah. and, uh, I, like, actively feel very bad right now, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. like, ruin my day or anything. Listen to the album Ego Death by the internet. It's not gonna give you ego death, but it's a good album, it'll probably make you feel better. Well, here's Ola Poppy's answer. Well, I have some bad news. You appear to be describing a life, and if that's a problem, then you're going to have one until you finish the game. Is this yeah. recommendation suicide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't starting out so strong. Yes, good things happen, but also, and as well, bad things. Were you hoping for a flawless run? Are you looking to start over? In all seriousness, I understand the struggle. I have many, many landmarks of shame that I revisit when lying in bed. I've done plenty of things that make me cringe, and I wish I could ball myself up and throw myself away. It's not a pleasant experience. But something being unpleasant doesn't automatically make it a personal failure or a unique problem to be solved. Your problem, as you astutely recognized, isn't that you've made some unfortunate choices. We all have. It's the way you're thinking about those choices that's an issue. To bring you some relief, what we've got to do is change your approach. In this lovely illustrative letter you've sent me, I recognize some framing devices that I don't think are serving you. Let's go over those. For one, you are choosing to imagine your past as a series of selves that aren't you, as past lives, like an avatar. However, you have also chosen to grant them the urgency of a living, breathing person who is right in front of you. This is the worst of all worlds. These characters from your past, which are you, but also not you, are making egregious, cringeworthy errors over which you have no control, and they are doing them in the present, right in front of your salad, while claiming to be you. To my mind, this serves no purpose except to maximize torment which I suspect is your aim, be it a conscious decision or not. The question then becomes, why would you or your brain be seeking to torture yourself in such a way? This is the root of the thing. And while I can't answer it for you, I can offer some theories. I think if we grew up with any degree of otherness, then we've likely developed a certain defensive hyper-awareness. It's possible that you, like me, have an overfunded bureau in our brain that is constantly scanning for errors, seeking to course-correct to avoid repercussions, for existing too loudly and incorrectly. This is just a theory. Another related one is, well, shame. Shame is a potent force for shaping behavior and identity. Egad, we might think when someone exhibits shame-worthy behavior. I can't be one of those types. Shame can create the unspoken rules for who is and who is not part of a community. There are the acceptable behaviors that make you one of us, and there are the unacceptable behaviors that make you one of those. The fear of being shunned, unloved and rejected is incredibly valid nightmare fuel it might touch on some deeply held fears and magnify them maybe it's from being bullied as a kid or being abandoned or feeling like you don't have any friends whatever the case 
Stabbing yourself with all your past mistakes might feel productive in a twisted way. It might be akin to running drills. Here's how we won't be behaving from now on. Again, these are mere guesses. What I can tell you with more certainty is that while you don't have the power to go back in time Terminator style and take your former cringy selves out one by one, you have a good deal of agency in how you frame your past and how you tell the story of the specific life events that make you wince. For example, I like fashion. I love dressing up and have a lot of faith in my good taste. But when I try to compliment myself on this, my brain will often remind me, aren't you the closeted Mexican who once threw on a tap-out WWET baggy basketball shorts and called that a look in college? And the answer is yes. Yes, I was. The did, he, did he spell it L-O-O-K or did he do the RuPaul L-E-W-K? The look, no, uh, L-O-O-K. Mm. Yes, I was. The visual makes me cringe. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of a, that's kind of a cool outfit in a camp way. Is Ola Poppy being a little too harsh on himself? I think he's telling on himself. I think he secretly just wanted to mention that he threw together that crazy fit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a bad fit, homie. <laughs> Come on, Poppy. <laughs> but I think the visual makes me cringe. But I also think it's funny that I did that. I think it's camp. Oh, he mentioned that's camp. Oh, that's <laughs> I think it's camp. To me, it's camp. To me, it's camp. <laughs> and so I laugh about it. I think to myself, yes, young closeted Chicano king, wear your tap out tee with a holographic Mexican flag on it. Go off. Because if I take it too seriously, it presents an irreconcilable story with the one I'm trying to tell right now. How can you say you have good taste when, as the kids on Twitter say, this you? Question mark. Ooh, that's not, well, all right. Yeah, I guess that is, that is how that would be used. Lucky for me. And for thee, life is a more fluid project than that. And ultimately, if I'm happy with who I am right now, and I more or less am, then I have to recognize I arrived here because of those past lives. They were me. I am me. Even if I weren't happy with myself at the moment, I would still get to be me. I still get to do things differently or make changes. I'm not trapped in amber. I'm the author here. That's pretty neat. So have fun. Be yourself. Enter the avatar state. Make peace with your past lives. Unless they voted for Ronald Reagan. Con mucho amor, Poppy. If Poppy, I guess I've never really researched Poppy enough to know. He didn't seem like he'd be old enough for like Ronald Reagan to be his go-to like reference for yeah a bad vote. Was this post twenty sixteen? Twenty twenty. You know what's crazy is that I think everybody I know can confidently say they didn't vote for Reagan, so we're all good. Hey, hey all of my friends, you're absolved. <laughs> I liked that for once uh, we weren't the first to bring up Avatar in an episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he's... But so he did stand opposed to my advice of disconnect yourself. Like, you don't have to be you from more than 20 days ago. That's a different person. Oh, yours is a real Buddhist thing. That uh, thing that I talked about with uh, John and Th- Jonathan Ames quote from uh, Bored to Death. He's like, the Buddha says if you walk across the room, you come back a different person. <laughs> I think that absolves yourself of too much uh, responsibility for things that you've done wrong. That's fair enough. I in, in this case because it's uh it's low stakes. It's more about yeah. He didn't say he did anything necessarily like yeah. terrible or anything. He just you know was embarrassing or whatever. That's that's different. Like if you had a child five years ago, okay, you still have responsibility to take care of that child. You can't absolve yourself. I do like that person. idea as a legal <laughs> argument for why you shouldn't have to pay child support. You're like that was twenty minutes ago, Paul. <laughs> he has a kid, not me. All right, you ready for my article? Mm-hmm. You know her. You love her, Caroline Hacks. The Seattle Times, from her syndicated advice column, develop compassionate amnesia about friend's drunken confession of love. Advice columnist Caroline Hacks takes shelter in the many ways it's possible this call didn't mean a thing. If there's more to his feelings for you, then it's wholly on him to act. 
For some Wait, reason, are they, you reading the answer? They published an abstract for some reason. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like a teaser. <laughs> All right. Dear Carolyn, I've been friends with this guy for over 10 years as a part of our friend group. Nothing romantic has ever happened between us, and he's happily engaged. I recently received his wedding invitation in the mail. However, he called me last night, and when he was really drunk, he confessed that he had feelings for me and thinks about me all the time. From the level of drunk he sounded, I'm not sure if he remembers this phone call. Do I confront him about it or pretend it didn't happen? Do I still attend the wedding? Professed love of engaged friend. Why are you answering calls from married men? Ooh, yeah, you'd be like a Mike Pence about that. Past 11 p.m. Mm. Paul? I mean, you were trick. You was asking for it. I don't want to say harlot, but <laughs> um, I will say in the in the realm of what this is, when you do something embarrassing, drunk that to you is embarrassing, but to everybody else was like a funny story, mm-hmm. and they want to tell it as a funny story. I often, if it's too early, I still feel embarrassed, even if everybody else is like, "Ah, we had such a good time." Remember when you did that crazy thing? I still want be like, "Please, just don't." Like, I we all remember what happened. Just like, can we all just not talk about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel that. And it, it like happened to be the other week because it was something as simple as it's like this isn't embarrassing at all. But he, he like just, landed that uh, motorcycle uh, ramp drive over six buses. <laughs> yeah, but I just got really drunk and I started doing this thing where I was attaching uh, my friends all his like ornaments from his tree onto my uh, onto my gold chain I was wearing that night, <laughs> <laughs> and then I dropped them all one by one throughout the night. And broke a bunch of his ornaments. <laughs> I'm surprised that's told as a funny story. <laughs> Uh, I, they were like the cheap ones. You get like five to a box or oh, something. They were like priceless heirlooms. Uh, Joe actually listens to the pod, so he. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, sorry for uh, sorry for hurting your ornaments. I love you, buddy. Sad you're moving to Charleston. Mm. Lots of love coming from the Big Facts No Cap family to you, Joe. But we're proud of you for that new job at Boeing. Um, a lot of info there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like, and then my other friend Trevor was telling me that story. I was like, just please don't tell me. I know. We all remember. I, I know. I just, I feel bad about it. I just don't even want to hear it told back at me. <laughs> mm. I would generally say, so I would generally in almost every other situation say, show respect to the drunk. Pretend it didn't happen. Mm. That's, that's, that's the drinker's creed. Mm. Pretend it didn't happen. The drinker's creed, 99% of situations. Mm-hmm. This one is a little bit more like he probably does remember. It seems like one of those things where he was using. There's two things. Either he was trying to either he's a bit of a uh, cheater mm-hmm. or he was trying to use being drunk as a shield to sort of protect himself from the liability of doing something so shitty. You don't think there's just a he was so drunk that he did it. Option three. That's a possibility. I think that's a less likely possibility. Ooh, it's true. All men are manipulators. That is true. So my take is. This might be a situation where you have to tell him just to crush any potential dream he might have, just to be able to reject him. So he knows that it's not going to happen. Unless you love him. In which case, maybe it's time to end a marriage. (laughs) Ooh. But yeah, I think... Or like you heard that he's good in bed and you want to like ride once or whatever. Yeah, because you're like a horrible person. You don't care how it affects the other woman's life or whatever. Yeah. We already said she's a harlot. Yeah. If you're a narcissist, if you're an egomaniac and you just want to... If you want to if you want to create a shitstorm, that is an opportunity. If you just need validation, then yeah. But I would say if you're a good person, you like your friends, you, you generally like people, you might need to remind him he said it or like break the drinker's code of don't bring up stuff that happened while drunk just to let him know that did happen and nope 
We're not getting together. That was shitty of you to do. Mm. I'm not a I'm not a you should Ooh. go tell his wife thing, but you probably should reject him. So here's the thing though. It's good that she answered the call because there's no record of it besides her recollection. Have you ever gotten a drunk voicemail? No. Well, yes, but only like comedy ones. I was to say I've only gotten ones that was a comedy one. It was a girl trying to wingman for her friend. So she was uh, trying to get me to invite her friend over uh, for the night. And she kept calling me a lame ass. <laughs> that was the main thing I remember from the drunken voicemail. She was like, Adrian, don't be a lame ass. Invite this girl over to hang out with you. I whatever. agree with that. You are a lame ass. She was breaking <laughs> some good points. It's, uh, it was really funny. Uh, the other one was uh, when my sister went out with my brother and his ex-husband. Uh, her, uh, his ex-husband famously left a voicemail for Dora Lee where... I, I, you know, get, you know, Dave Chappelle had some points. Gay white people really love appropriating other cultures and pretending that's a gay thing. And uh, so it's him going, uh, chica, chica, doing a lot of like Latino things. <laughs> that's pretty talking funny. To my sister. <laughs> I mean, your brother let him do it in bed. So that's true. You can't be blamed for thinking it was all right. There you go. That's the thing about cultural appropriation. If you want to do it in your bedroom with your gay husband, that's fine. I just don't want to see it out in these streets. <laughs> there has to be somebody with that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> cultural <the> appropriation <laughs> between i don't care who does it That's man woman woman man <laughs> but out in the streets Mm-mm-mm. don't do it in front of my kids face they don't need to see cultural appropriation uh yeah other other advice for this person i mean i gave my serious advice so my non-serious advice also it was a call what did she do just listen and hang up she didn't say anything in the moment She's probably like, oh my god, you're being so silly. <laughs> She's like, you are so random. <laughs> <laughs> like, you really think I'm pretty, oh my god, no. <laughs> I-, I think this is a cool thing to be able to blackmail someone with. You think so? I mean, she doesn't really have hard proof, but. Mm. Yeah, it'd be a good way to get him to not be into her anymore. Yeah. So, how do you feel? Do you Do you agree with my advice, or do you think, hey, just never mention it again, just let... Like, maybe he was, because not mentioning it, if he doesn't remember, you're good. Mm-hmm. If he does remember and he was trying to test the waters and he was mm-hmm. play acting at how drunk he was. I'm not saying it's completely acted, but, you know, he was hamming it up. He wasn't mm-hmm. really, like, blackout, forgetful, drunk. But in which case, that's why he was playing at being so drunk, because he wanted to you to just have the out of pretending to forget and both of you pretending to forget if you didn't reciprocate feelings. I think you should get someone to write you a really cool movie monologue where you break up their wedding during the part about people objecting and you do something where you're like, you don't love me. You love the idea of me or something like that. And you mm. go off on that. W- would would his wedding be the time to do that? In your mind? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would say that would be a horrible time. I mean... The wedding is probably pretty boring. You can use a little something to spice it up. A little something to spice, spice it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, I, I actually think that ignoring it completely maybe isn't the wrong way to go. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And I think my advice for what's... Or, I've, I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if your answer is, like, talk to him about it, like, are you the person to do that? Maybe be like, tell somebody who's a mutual friend and be like, this dude can... But then it's him. gossip. Well, no, but you could be like, I don't want to talk to him about it because that's weird. But can you as like his friend or whatever, or his best man, like talk to him about it and see if he's like having cold feet or something. Mm. Still, that's gossip at that point. Now you're spreading drama about. I don't think that's gossip. I think that's. Yeah. See something, say something. <laughs> yeah. yeah you Is know. it gossip when you tell somebody at the airport about an unattended bag? Yes. 
I like this. The character is the guy who has a really loose definition of what gossip is. <laughs> I was at the DMV and she was gossiping away about you need this form or that form. <laughs> it's like, honey, I get it. I need to bring you an electric bill with my address. <laughs> Just stop being such a gossip. I mean, I don't want to gossip, but yeah, after interviewing him, I would recommend him for this job. I think he's a very good fit. <laughs> Look, Miss Hernandez, I don't want to be a gossip, but your son is definitely showing symptoms of autism. <laughs> I don't want gossip. <laughs> dish, dish. <laughs> Look. I don't want to gossip, but we did find five dead bodies at the scene, and we should probably figure out what's going on about that. Everybody in here knows me. We're all friends, right? I don't want to gossip, but I am your professor, and this is Holocaust and Genocide, so we do have to review the Diary of Anne Frank. Uh, Alright, good character. Good crack. Any, any final thoughts? This was a shorty. Um, Yeah. Uh... How do you feel in general about confessions of love versus like just being honest and direct or later like you got to make a show of it, baby? Because I've I've done both things. I've done both things. I've done the like I've I like made it very clear early from on from knowing someone that I'm mm-hmm. interested. Constantly showed signs of like I have romantic interest in you, mm-hmm. and I've definitely also done the like we've been friends for a while, and I'm about to just burst it out on you <laughs> that Oof. I'm interested in you. Jeez. Uh, and I think it definitely makes you feel like a bad person to be in the second scenario. Be, being yeah, confessions yeah. of love are shitty. They're I, a shitty I, thing I to put a that, situation yeah. to put people in. I mean, again, not trying to seem like the cool guy of the podcast, but it's happened to me before on the other end of it, and I did not like it. Yeah, it caused me a lot of stress. You've never done a confession of love. Nah, I guess it's love is a strong word, but a confession of feelings. Nah, I think my favorite is she hasn't been a guest on the podcast, but my friend from college. Mm-hmm. Who had an emailed confession to her. Email confession of love. From a Japanese businessman? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it was like something like somebody she didn't know very well. Just like a guy she was vaguely like. I didn't realize was such a heartbreaker. Damn. (laughs) Hey, Licorice Pizza, that's how it starts. He's a picture day. The the photographer's assistant is getting asked out by a (laughs) 15-year-old. You keep bringing up this problematic movie. I do. Wait, what is Licorice Pizza if it's not one of his harebrained ideas? You know, they don't really mention in the movie. Licorice Pizza never comes up. Oh, it's like a fucking Chiodo song. They just name the song even though it has nothing to do with the song. I assume because, you know, it sounds uncomfortable. It sounds like it's not good. But really. But really. It works. You take a bite and you'll see what it's all about. If you take a bite, you'll realize 15-year-olds and 28-year-olds should (laughs) be together. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he made this movie while trying to date a much younger woman? He's like, see, it's normal. (laughs) There's a movie about it. There's a movie about it. Paul, you made that movie. Paul Thomas Anderson, you made that movie. Nah, it's normal. There's a movie. (laughs) They made it in Hollywood. Isn't that what all these woke scolds are talking about? Normalizing the behavior? Well, I made the movie. Why isn't it normal yet? <laughs> Paul. Wait, no, no, no. This is the person talking to Paul. I was to say, well, he's talking to somebody who sounds the same as him. <laughs> Paul, can you... <laughs> do you want me to do the line? Do you want me to be Paul? <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say anyway. All right. Let me read this answer. 
Dear professed love of engaged friend. Oh, do we have a Caroline Hacks uh, guess at this point? Do we have like a AI bot of Caroline Hacks of what we think she's going to say? She's honestly so bland, I can't even think about what her signature is. Yeah. And she's one of those people where it's like, she's not bland in the same way Dear Abby is, where you could kind of guess based on blandness. Yeah. She's one of those people where it almost seems like she's just going to pull something out of a hat based on like one of her life experiences and say, do this or that. Mm -hmm. It's also a little bit more random. <sighs> she's so random. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you are so random. Dear professed, I didn't say stop. <laughs> Dear professed love of engaged friend, even in the worst case, he secretly loves you in vino veritas. His engagement is a sham. None of the obligations here is on you. His secret feeling would be entirely his to reckon with. His inability to face a wrenching truth sober would be entirely his own to reckon with. His willingness to marry someone while secretly loving someone else would be her problem too, of course. But he's still the only one in a position to reckon with that. If you guys are close, then yes, say something. If he's someone you'd casually call or text, then check in with a non-committal, weird call, everything okay? But if you're just acquainted through the group, i.e. never gone out of your way to hang out with each other one-on-one, -on -one, then there's a good case to be made for developing a compassionate amnesia. Remain his friend as you always have been, and go to the wedding as you always intended. Take shelter in the many ways it's possible this call didn't mean a thing. If there's more to his feelings for you, then it's wholly on him to act. That was my best Caroline Hacks impression. Ideas on that answer? Oh, <laughs> um, It was alright. I mean, I kind of liked the pussyfooting of- She really just put it all on him, basically, was yeah, the answer, yeah. Of the non-committal text. That's a real Paul move right there, to mm. not be direct and a little wimp about it. <laughs> hey, weird call. Anything <laughs> we should talk about? <laughs> hey, weird call, haha. -ha, unless you don't feel that way. <laughs> I do love that meme, though. The unless. <laughs> unless. <emoji. laughs> Weird um, call. Unless. unless. <laughs> Any other ideas from that answer or anything else? No, I'm good. I like that she pointed out one of my favorite ideas for a sitcom episode, which is you take an ensemble cast, pick two of the characters who have never hung out one-on-one, -on -one, and put them together. <laughs> I think they did it on New Girl. <laughs> Uh, or maybe it's oh yeah, with the CC and coach, like yeah, it made no sense, yeah. but they did a CC and coach thing, <laughs> and they start having like the CC and coach adventures or the misadventures or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that as a bit. Oh yeah, that was like the later seasons of Friends where they were like Joey and Rachel. Yeah. They, they hadn't even met until that point. It's one of the lesser known things of the show. If you actually watch through it, they'd never been in the same room together. Like, How are you doing? <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, uh, Paul, I kind of feel shitty about this, but I actually do not have time to record the third segment. I need to go home. That's okay. I've often thought that I could uh, do it better by myself. Well, actually, I was going to have one of my friends replace me. Oh, cool. even better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I texted a friend who's in town, and he said he can do the third segment for mm -hmm. me. He listens to some of the episodes, so he's probably going to do okay. I mean, better than most of our guests. All right. I'm going to tap out, and uh, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, folks. Uh, I'm going to have a friend take over for me. Nope. Uh, makes sense. I don't think anybody's too upset about it. Okay, well, they're going to miss me a little bit, I'm sure. I'll see ya. Come in. Oh, hey, you must be Adrian's friend. Hey, ciao. 
Ciao a Paul. Adrian says that you only know Italian. Adrian said somebody who only speaks Italian here? Mm, no, I uh, speak uh, the, come si dice, uh, broken English. <laughs> si. That that is that is one of the that is one of the many uh, languages I understand actually. So. See, si, see, si, see. Si. Charmed to meet you. My name Alessandro Conti. <laughs> you kiss the hand. Ooh, well, I we knew each other better. I'd kiss you on your cheek and not also the ones on your face, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Alessandro Conti was it? Alessandro Conti. Yeah. Okay, Paul. Paul, Adrian's co-host. Yeah, oh. you've listened to some episodes. I see, see, see. Si, si. Well, what pleasure to be here. Very honored. How how do you know? How, you don't speak any Italian, just broken English. Uh, I only speak uh, come si dice, uh, broken English. Yeah. Oh, see, si, see. Si. Uh, how do you know Adrian? I uh, he has eaten at my restaurant before. You and, own a uh, restaurant? What restaurant? See, si, I'm a chef. It's um, it, it's a it's a bit uh hard to uh. So the sign is hard to read, but it's called a ratatouille. It's the restaurant. <laughs> Sir, can I ask? You... So the thing about the sign is that it's a, it's the symbol of a rat. Yeah. And then um, uh, a tattoo and then two E's because um, uh, I'm worried about the litigious nature of Disney and the fact that if I named my restaurant Ratatouille, they'd probably come after me. You are very, your English almost wasn't broken there at that. Uh, yes, it's uh, 50-50 for me. You know, I, I come in and out sometimes, you know, if I have a drink, maybe I speak a little better English, but uh, it's uh, como se dice, uh, uh, like a verbal quirk. <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. Si. Disney is very litigious, I get it. That mouse is, si. he'll come for you. See, si, the mouse coming after the mouse, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, the mouse comes after the mouse. I, I don't know, does that translate? That's an Italian idiom, I don't know if it, uh, <laughs> that makes sense to you. No, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's, uh, como se dice, uh, culturally uh, insular. <laughs> um, so the, the, the restaurant is in Paris or? No, it's Italy. Uh, uh, si, Bergamo in Italy. Bergamo in Italy, okay. Si. Very interesting. And it's, but it's ratatouille. Do you guys specialize in making the ratatouille dish? No, we we don't make a, we don't really specialize in any dish really. We uh, the 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 idea of the restaurant was um, if I can speak a little bit to my background is uh, I, I am a como se dice uh, like a Wolf of Wall Street type figure, like a banker. Um, <laughs> he, uh, what I realized, Paul, if I can get serious for a moment, is I, I realized that the the millions of dollars, the uh, being with a different woman every night, uh, all the drugs and the alcohol. It didn't fulfill me. I wanted to make mm-hmm. people happy. That's what I want to do as a, as, a, as a person. So I decided to open up a restaurant where I tried to ride it dewy people. <laughs> oh, you do you try to put the rat on them to control them? No, it's, uh, it's difficile. Uh, como se dice? Uh, ride it is like a jargon term. It's like an industry-specific term. So to ride it someone is to do kind of like the end of ratatouille, where he serves the ratatouille to Anton Ego, and it transport him back to like <laughs> his mother feeding him as a little French peasant. Oh, okay, okay. Is that hard? Do you have to research each guest to know what dish is going to ratatouille them? This is uh, an interesting question. So when I first started the restaurant, I uh, tried to intuit what people, mm. uh, what their mothers probably made for them. Uh, and it's, um, uh, an unsustainable business practice. <laughs> it's um, So I tried to intuit what their mother might want to make for them or what they might enjoy from when they're in their childhood. Um I got it wrong a lot, and uh, it's it's a difficult because um, it's uh, on the menu. If I write it to you, or you eat for free. <laughs> uh, true. Okay. Yeah. I did. <laughs> and so my restaurant is, uh, I can't say, uh, hemorrhaging money. 
<laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you found a better way to do it, though, recently. So, yeah, before I kind of look at the guy and I'm kind of like, ah, you fucking look like you, uh, <laughs> you fucking eat maybe sardines on toast or something. That's what your mom made for you. And, you know, it's a common dish for us. I don't know what's common dish for you. Maybe McDonald's or something. Uh, but, um, yes, now I make them take a questionnaire. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, it takes uh, a couple, you know, a couple minutes to fill out the first questions. Just what's your relationship like with your parents? Um, it's a pretty simple quiz that's taken. Quiz, yeah, that helps me. Sorry, that was rude of me. I'm that not trying to mock me. I'm trying my best. I'm speaking my second language over here. That is, como se dice, culturally insensitive. <laughs> Pero, uh, and yeah, uh, see. So yeah, so now I kind of try and get a little bit of information about them. That didn't really work. That was kind of phase two of the the project. Um, and then I kept. Uh, so. It, <laughs> in, yeah, so if I don't write it to somebody, they eat for free and they get to take one thing from the restaurant on their way out. <laughs> so it's uh, it's not going well. And once the uh, survey didn't really work, I did a new thing where now I only take reservations. Uh, you have to call in, give us your name. It's uh, only for the next day, at least. Uh, and I've been hiring private investigators to uh, follow these people and maybe track something, get some information about them that I can use to make their dish. Mm, so you can write it to them. See. Claro, sí. So there's no rats involved in this enterprise. No, no, I have a, I have a B plus health rating. <laughs> I, I take this very seriously. Fair, fair. Okay. What when when Adrian ate at your restaurant? What did you ratatouille him with? Yeah. So um, I, I guess I haven't brought this up yet, but I have had a zero um, percent success rate <laughs> with uh, ratatouilleing people. Yeah. Um, so the other the other thing about phase three of uh, the business was I uh, hired a, a lie detector. Uh, polygraph uh, technician I, I can think of is that the English word um, <laughs> and so I at the end of the meal I hook them up to the polygraph and I have him ask them whether or not they were ratatouille because for some people it's obvious you know they, their eyes kind of roll back in their head uh, or something like that but some people I think it's a little bit more como se dice subtle and so uh, I kind of get them to uh, ask them and so he's on my payroll too I pay him out of pocket uh, every day and uh, along with the private investigators so it's a very expensive enterprise but um Yes, when Adrian came, uh, I said, uh, you know, are you, are you, uh, where are you from? He said, uh, America. And I was like, oh, you probably want some fucking like McDonald's bullshit or something. So I just gave him a McDonald's burger and some fucking, uh, fucking uh, chili on like spaghetti or whatever you guys do here. Um, and he did not enjoy it. He did not get ready to eat. But y'all still became lifelong friends and he's invited you to replace him on his podcast. Uh, see, I am uh, I am in America right now doing research on because I have a lot of Americans who come to my restaurant. The, uh, so uh, I get a lot of, you know, American celebrities and American people in general. So I thought I'd come here and try and get a taste of what American food is like, because as I Ooh, said, before, a lot of American celebrities. Can we get some insight into like maybe Brad Pitt's favorite childhood meal or well, I didn't get it right. So I can't tell you that, but I can tell you what I made them. Um, I remember this. uh I would, we would love to hear what Ariana Grande has eaten. Oh, she was back home for the holidays in Italy. Uh, she came and, uh, yeah, I made her, uh, I was like, uh, where, are you, where are you from? She's like, uh, my family's from Italy, but uh, I'm American. And I was like, oh, you probably want like a fucking McDonald's hamburger or something. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> and uh, so I made her that and she, she did not get ready to eat. Um, she also took the, uh, my favorite chair from the restaurant on her way out. I feel like she doesn't need it, but she kind of just did it. But um, the other person I got, uh, this was when I was doing the questionnaire. So this was before the PIs. This was uh, before that. So they were still filling out the questionnaire. It was uh, Kanye West, I think is his mm. name. And uh, he kept crying while doing the questionnaire. I don't know why about uh, 
just t- questions about his mother. I don't know why. But the little baby boy started crying. I was like, oh, you want me to make you some baby food? Is that what you want? And so I made him some fucking baby food and a McDonald's hamburger. And uh, he did not get ready to eat. I'm trying to make my money back. I just need to write it to you like one person because so if you do get ready to it, you do you do pay for the meal. Um, it's uh, como se dice, uh, a pay a pay what you want model. Uh, but the thing is, um, kind of like, uh, you know, I think in American you do it. Uh, if you have a certain size of a party, you have an automatic gratuity. Mm. I do that for no matter what. If you get rid of the weed, there's an automatic gratuity added a million dollars. Mm, okay so you pay what you want but i just need one of these i but, just need one person to get rid of so it. are you the waiter in every situation why would you get the million not the waiter i, I it's just me it's just me and the uh, polygraph guy and the pis that i yeah, oh just, nice i like that personal touch you know a lot of people don't do it like down home style like that anymore you don't meet the chef it's uh it's very corporate at a lot of these restaurants i appreciate that you come out and you're the waiter too that's sometimes if we're short stuff my wife julia will come out but that's about it and i assume we'll split the one million i don't think she's gonna get the one million and run <laughs> i hope not your wife julia how's how's you know it sounds like you're uh, i believe in you but like it sounds like you're in a tough spot sounds like you're hemorrhaging money currently is everything all right in the marriage do not remind me um well i know this is an invite advice podcast i'm sure you probably have some advice for me um well, you know, we fight a lot about, the, you know, why why open a restaurant or a banker? You have no culinary training at all. You, it takes you 15 minutes to cut an onion. Maybe this isn't the right thing for you to do. Um, and so there's some strains for sure. But, uh, you know, that's what marriage is. It's, uh, it's, it's a, you know, to use the theme of memory from this uh, episode, Adrian texted me. It's kind of like that uh, Ask uh, Heather Haverleski article. Marriage is about amnesia. <laughs> You're a Heather Haverlaski fan. I'm a New York Times fan. Oh, you're a New York Times fan. Okay. Normally I read the uh, the Bergamo Globe, but uh, <laughs> sometimes I'll pick up the New York Times if I need something. Okay. Or as I call it, <laughs> the New York Crimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's made it to Italy. Wow. Okay. See, see. Wow. Wow. Okay. So yeah, there's a you know I've been doing my my specialty is in cooking. You know I'm just trying to bring joy to people, and that's why I have the money back guarantee. Is because if I you know I have a job, and that's to make people happy. It's the right to do them. If I don't do my job, I don't get paid. All that's right. Nice. Well, this is an advice podcast, but well, give me your advice because I've been doing everything. I've been writing handmade notes like in a lunchbox to serve it to people. I've uh, I know some people their mothers aren't good cooks, so I've been purposefully making bad food. That doesn't seem to work. Uh, I don't really I don't really know. I don't know what to do next. Where where the maybe a restaurant where people are dressed like Woody and Buzz Lightyear, and you have a wait staff. Hmm, interesante. Uh so your your idea is you think that the the love and the, the joy of cooking comes from some kind of hacky novelty type thing. Yeah, big, I mean you're you said you're serving a lot of Americans, so. I'm serving a lot of Americans, but I'm serving a lot of people from all different cultures, and that's the thing too. Is not only do I have no culinary training, I also am not a very worldly man. I don't know what a man from Guatemala eats. I. Uh, just gave him a hamburger from McDonald's. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Similar to Americans. Wendy from the uh, the the redheaded girl from the Wendy's chain walks in. See? What do you think she would order, or what do you think you would prepare for her? Uh, I'd probably be like, "Where are you from?" And she'd be like, "Yeah, I'm from America." And I'd be like, "Ah, right, we probably want like a fucking hamburger or some shit, <laughs> some bullshit like that." You know what I mean? Oh, okay, but not a hamburger from McDonald's. Interesting. Oh, so well, I fucking make it square. I guess I don't know. That's part of the research I've been doing since up here. I've been to McDonald's seventeen times trying to figure out <laughs> how to make their hamburger. I've been uh, doing uh, say uh, market research. See, see, see. Um, I mean, where are you from? I can't tell. You seem like a spicy white type. 
Uh, America. I'm from America. You're from America. Mostly. Okay, so you probably just want some like fucking hamburger bullshit or something. <laughs> Um, it, it, what and was it the movie? Did you watch the movie? What inspired you to begin this enterprise? You know, I was uh, making tons of millions of dollars, all that I've lost now at this point, um, and it just wasn't fulfilling. And I saw that movie, and I said, "You know what? If that fucking stupid Frenchman Linguini can open a restaurant, I think I can." Oh, so you you didn't really. Oh, but also to, you know, make people happy, too. So you were impressed by his ability to ratatouille the critic, but you also didn't believe in the message of the movie that anyone can cook. No, not everyone can cook. Uh, Linguini couldn't cook. But a great cook can come from anywhere. Oh, so you did understand the message of the movie. Yes, they spell it out very, ex- uh, como se dice, explicitly. Mm, mm. Well, Ego does in his article. See, si. <laughs> Lego my ego, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny i see why you and adrian are friends he made that same joke well it's been a pleasure talking to you it's been a pleasure being on the podcast uh do you do a um se dice, uh, a plug segment uh yeah of course we we love to have our guests plug uh anything they're working on so anything mm. you want to let the people know about let the people know about well i know uh do we do that before or after the big caps big facts no cap before 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 uh yes yeah, i'd like to uh plug uh rat tattooey uh in bergamo uh we are right next to the leaning tower of pizza uh not the leaning tower of pizza the leaning tower of pizza it's a very popular pizza chain that gets much more business than mine does uh but you know a good place for foot traffic so if you're in the area uh stop by i'll make you a, a great meal and you'll get you i promise you ratatouille or your money back um well i will definitely when i'm in bergamo next i'll definitely be stopping by grazie all right big facts no cap um my big fact um, yeah, if you ever need an excuse for poor behavior, pretend to be drunker than you are. Uh, allora, we, uh, we have a very similar expression in Italian, um, but I will just translate it to English because your audience is English. Uh, if you ever need an excuse for bad behavior, uh, como uh, se dice, just tell them you were drunk. Mm. Si, si. That is what si. I said. Si. Well, that's also the idiom. <laughs> well, it's really, it's what I said. Mm. I don't like how you became antagonistic all of a sudden. You, uh, I didn't. You've honestly been rude since you got in here. I feel like I haven't. I feel like uh, I'm, I'm a friend of a friend. You come in here on my podcast to replace Adrian to do a third segment, and you behave, frankly, abhorrently. You've spent the whole time talking about your restaurant. It seems like you haven't even made an attempt to make a joke. Um, your your restaurant, I honestly, what the worst idea I've ever heard. I'm surprised your wife hasn't left you. This is um, uh, como se dice, a real gotcha interview. Yeah. And I don't appreciate it. You need a gotcha moment in your life. It's stupid. I don't even know if I believe you. This restaurant seems like it should have gone under within a day. I don't know how you can justify the idea that it's still open. It sounds like a joke. Frankly, you're insulting me. You're insulting my intelligence. Uh, you have just lost a listener. Actually, you know what? I still like Adrian. I'm going to listen to his parts. I'm going to skip your parts. You know what? I'm going to feel good about it. I'm I'm okay with that because clearly that's impossible. That it, I can't at this point is it maybe is this like a dry sense of humor on your part because it, it you've come on this comedy podcast. You haven't made a single attempt to make a joke. You've gone Wait. on and on about what sounds like an imaginary restaurant in a fantasy <laughs> town. Maybe my sensibilities are different as an Italian. This is a comedy podcast? <laughs> 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 
Yes, it is a comedy podcast. And frankly, and frankly, it sounds like you were purposefully, like you knew that, and you were purposefully <laughs> saying that. And, and frankly? <laughs> that is a, come se dice, a Freudian slip. <laughs> you know what? I'm starting to like you. <laughs> Starting to like you. <laughs> All right. I think we should have a couple of Negronis and we have hang out a little bit. <laughs> a couple of Negronis and some good times, friend. You want to give us a, what we call it a no cap in Italy. Maybe you have a different word for it. Something to, uh, an idea that you think is uh, accurate, wraps up the podcast. Maybe um, something we've talked about. I think uh, if, if you if you do what you love in life, you never work a day in your life, even if you're hemorrhaging money and your relationships are on the rocks and your kids won't talk to you anymore. All right. Well, on that note, everybody who's listening, make yourself out to, uh, what's that place called? Ratatouille? No, the town. Bergamo. Yeah. Anybody who's listening, on that note, make your way out to Bergamo to eat at Ratatouille's. Uh, big recommendation from the Big Facts No Cap family. Right next um, to the Lean Tower of Pizza, if you hit the uh, Stromboli only, you come too far. All right. Bye. Uh, bye.